Adventure Hook. The PCs find themselves in a pub. On the billboard is a single listing. It reads as follows. Adventurers wanted for routine dungeons log. Please be a party of four to six characters at least level, let's say three to five. At least one spellcaster a plus, but not necessary. You'll need a weapon plus one or better in order to deal damage to the big bad guy who's masquerading as the old man who's paying you to do the investigation. Evil alignment not ideal. Apply by walking to area one on the map. What was that? Oh, that's an adventure hook. Mm. It's funny you should ask. It is. That's how a party gets involved in an adventure. <laughs> I don't think we've ever gone and like looked at a board to like find out what we were gonna do next. That's how adventures started back in the day. Back in the day, you had a like the DM would have an adventure hook to read out. Like here's the billboard. Uh, I mean, it's still if you look at a module, um, one of the first areas still says starting the adventure. Hello, and welcome to Dungeon Chatter. I'm Travis. I'm Victoria. Today we're discussing F. For failure. Oh. This is the Dungeon Chatter podcast, in which we talk through RPG play and design, alphabetically discussing systems we like, things we think work, things we think don't work, and then discuss our pitch for the system we're developing. You see, as we talk through each topic, we're creating, playtesting, and tweaking an RPG we're calling Dungeon Chatter. The current flavor of the Dungeon Chatter RPG is a sword and sorcery setting called Blood of Heroes. Now, without any further ado, let's discuss failure. Failure. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, failure. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. <laughs> what is this? This is a very artistic intro. <laughs> exactly. Well, we started with a poem last time, remember? Oh, we did start with the poem. <laughs> uh, um, we've spoken in some detail about the best of times. Uh, so in uh, D, when we were talking about damage, damage yeah. we talked about critical hits. And I take it that that might be the best of times. Mm -hmm. uh, but today, we're going to talk about the worst of times. Failures and especially critical failures. The general idea is that your character, you're not going to succeed at everything that you do. Uh, mm -hmm. So sometimes they're going to be kind of normal successes, normal failures, um, spectacular successes, and spectacular failures. And so um, we've talked already about, I think, simple success, um, critical success, and today we'll talk about the simple failures and those uh, critical fails, at least mm -hmm. in some detail. Um, and so I, I, just a quick preview of the challenges. Um, I think that on one hand, uh, players really like to know what they should be expecting when they fail, mm -hmm. right? So um, if someone says, I'm going to, um, I don't know, start a fire, um, then it, it, if it, igniting their body and dying horrifically just in lighting a torch yeah. um, is a possibility, I take it that they want to know that. They um, do. Right, and so you need some kind of hard and fast rules, I think, about what the, the general guidelines are for what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. But players also like cinematic details that are tailored to their specific situation. So what we're going to try to do is try to come up with a system um, that walks the line between those two things. And let's talk about the systems. So how do some RPGs that we're familiar with handle failure? Um, so you've played a bit of D&D, &D, and mm -hmm. you know that there are at least two 
very important roles. The D20? On the D20? On the D20. Yes. You can get the 20. Yes, the 20. The 20 is a critical success. Ooh. Yeah, it's pretty nice. In pretty fact, nice. it's so important that people, when they roll it, they say natural 20. But no one says natural 16. That's true. Well, unless you're Victorian Austin before we knew <laughs> what the hell modifiers were. <laughs> okay. We did play like two or three games where we'd give you the number and then be like plus six because we didn't do the math ourselves. Yeah, didn't didn't understand that at first. But anyway. That's true. Yeah. Uh, Normally, so you don't say natural 16. 20 is the good one and... One. Natural one. A natural one. Mm -hmm. A botch, as some people say. That I is, like that. Oh, I botched. I botched. That's one of my faves. Um, okay, so here's the thing. We spoke in episode four when we were talking about uh, damage. I think we talked about criticals uh, quickly there. Um, or, or maybe this was in, yeah, this was in damage. So remember we were talking about the like the double 20 is just, oh, your head's chopped off. Doesn't matter how many hit points you have. Oh, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. The, the double 20, yeah. Yeah, and so uh, that's, you know, again, this is a rule that, that uh, we use as house rule. So double 20 meant decapitation. Mm-hmm. And we also had a so we and we had a chart on the dungeon master's screen. So I don't know if you're not a big uh, fan of RPGs or if you haven't done a lot of RPGs. If you're not a big fan of RPGs, I have no idea why you're listening. But <laughs> I mean, we're trying to convert, you <laughs> know. If you're giving us a chance, we appreciate that. But if you don't know a lot about yes. RPGs, then um, so the the dungeon master will or the game master will often have a kind of notebook or folder dividing them from the players so the dungeon master can look at charts and look at numbers and roll dice without the players seeing everything that's going on. Mm -hmm. um, and so uh, as that's going on, uh, you, you might have useful information on that DM screen. and From the player's perspective, mm -hmm. right, is what you're saying? Yes. So that players can reference the back of the DM screen. Correct. And uh, Scott had a really Scott, our former DM, had a really good uh, system there. So he would have like an adventurer's pack. So what is in the adventurer's pack? Because people are always like, "Oh, do I? I have I have spikes, right?" Mm -hmm. Yes, there were spikes in the adventurer's were pack. Were there? Yeah, that there seems was a like basic a... and an advanced. Yeah. Really yeah. interesting. Um, and I have like fifty foot of rope, and it's well, it depends. Do you have the basic adventuring pack? If so, it's only thirty feet of rope, um, and that's just so players. Um, couldn't just pretend on the spot that they had all this stuff that they didn't have. Mm -hmm. um, okay, but in addition to those um, tables, there were also the the D twenty, the critical success and the critical failure table. And um, if you rolled a D twenty, and then you rolled a twenty on the critical hit, that was the decapitation. Mm -hmm. If you rolled a one, and then you rolled the one again, mm -hmm. your um, critical failure was. Lose weapon, maybe even break weapon. Hit party member, hit self for double damage. Um, so that's less bad than having your head chopped off. Mm -hmm. uh, but if it's losing or even breaking a weapon was sometimes a possibility, you would have to roll to see if your weapon broke. Uh, but imagine in the middle of fight, uh, a tough fight, maybe you're fighting a dragon, um, and you end up accidentally like throwing your plus five long sword into your party member after stabbing yourself with it. Mm -hmm. uh, so you might take a double damage, a heavy double damage roll, significantly damage a party member, and lose your weapon. Mm -hmm. That's a bummer. Yeah. Is that as bad as the critical success? Like, is that, you know, as serious as the critical success? Well, no, but it might be. I mean, it, it's definitely not as serious but it does make like it's really hard to decapitate your own self like that's, <laughs> well, that's up like yes. um 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, it makes sense, I think, to me. Like, you're intending to chop off someone's head. It's really hard <laughs> to accidentally chop off your own head or stab yourself in the heart or something like that. Right. Now, keep in mind, though, that the idea behind the failure is itself that you have failed to do the thing you're trying to do, mm-hmm. right? So um, the fact that you're trying to chop off someone else's head in a way is kind of irrelevant to um, what you end up doing with a failure, right? Oh, yeah, no, I'm saying, yeah. so you were comparing the, the severity, severity yeah. of the D20 and the D1. Yeah. And, like, it makes sense that you get a much better thing when you do really, really well than you, okay. you die when you fuck up. Yeah. I'll buy that. I mean, it is possible to die. Like, if you do double damage and that's more than you've got, like, you, you die. So, sure. Yeah. It's Agree. A, and losing your weapon in the middle of combat is also a pretty good way to die. Yeah. Fair. So one of the things that you're probably noticing right now is, but what if I'm like a really awesome swordsman or swordswoman or swordsperson? Mm-hmm. Does it matter if I roll a one and then another one? Mm-hmm. And of course the answer in D&D was... No. No, it doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't. Uh, and in fact, you know, if you think about it, then roughly one in every 400 swings, <laughs> you will... Lose your weapon, hit a party member, and smash yourself for double damage. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, and one in every 20 attacks, you will do one of these following horrific things. Breaking your weapon, losing your weapon, stabbing a party member, slashing yourself, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, those are pretty high odds, and they're not sensitive to your skill level or to the level of the uh, opponent you're facing. Yeah. That's a problem of scaling, and that's a problem that um, AD&D 2nd Edition in particular really did have. Um, other games have tried to remedy that in various ways. Um, yeah, yeah, I was going to mention that um, 5e definitely doesn't have the the double anything. You, when you roll a natural 20, it's like a set thing that happens. It's just double the damage dice, um, and that's it. That's all you get. You don't decapitate. You don't roll it to see. And when you roll a 1, I think that's just you automatically fail, and there's no more definition than that. You just fail. So it doesn't mean that something bad happens. It just means you don't do the thing at all. So I feel like that's, like, the odds of just failing are way high, no matter how good you are. Like, Mm -hmm. they're pretty prevalent to just, oh, hey, you trip on something. Mm -hmm. Even if you're, like, a really good swords person, you can still not see something possibly so i think one in 20 times that you just automatically fail with no chance of recovering like that's all right it's a decent Mm. realistic uh like percentage of fail yeah um i wonder right so there um there are some actions that are just so easy uh to do that you might think that well Maybe I don't fail at that. But those are things where DMs, like, I'm not going to blame a system for that. DMs just should say, you don't have to roll for that. That's true. So you don't make the character um, roll to get out of bed in the morning. That's, <laughs> right? Hopefully not. Uh, and you don't make them roll to brush their teeth. Uh, but even if you are brushing your teeth, you might jab yourself in the gums once in a while. Right? Mm-hmm. But probably not once in 20, unless you're really bad at yeah, brushing teeth. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so that's an area where the DM should step in and do something about it and just say, um, you're not going to have to roll for this. Mm-hmm. Now, doing some of those very same things under stressful situations, uh, so if it's if it's like getting out of bed while um, an ogre is swinging an axe into the bed you're laying in, mm-hmm. uh, that makes sense if, yeah. it's, if it's a greater percentage chance of fail. Um, and one of the systems that I think did a pretty nice job incorporating difficulty into how frequently you fail is MERP, uh, Middle Earth Role Playing. And um, a couple episodes ago, uh, you 
created or you had the first ever dungeon chatter role. Do you recall when you did some critical I hits? I do, yeah. Um, and so uh, I don't know that we're going to have a role today, but I am going to find the page here in just a moment, and then we're going to take a look at their um, fumble chart uh, for moving or whatever. So just, just to see what, what a fumble looks like in various cases. Mm -hmm. I have before me the Middle Earth role-playing. I think this is second edition uh, book. And so um, there are one, two, three, four, five uh, different kinds of scenarios. So one is a kind of general Thing that you might be doing, mm -hmm. uh, a, a general maneuver, um, a, an interaction and influence. So if you're trying to, as uh, Landolo would be doing, if you're trying to seduce the ladies. Seduce the ladies. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, disarming traps and picking locks, which a tinker might be doing, like... Gislaine. Yes. Gislan. Gislan. Um, reading runes and using items, um, which we did have a scenario come up. Remember when people were trying to use the, uh, essentially the uh, He-Man sword? Oh, yeah, know. that's right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and perception and tracking, which comes up frequently. Mm -hmm. And so what I wanted to note about this was that there were, uh, on one hand, there were modifications. So um, if something is a routine action, you add 30 to your roll. This is on a percentile. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. this is not at a, a d20 stitch. Right. So let me let me stress this. This is on a percentile roll. And again, this is an open-ended system. So if you roll 96 or higher, you add, you roll again. And you add. So if you roll a 96, then you roll 100. You're at 196. And if you roll, then you roll again. And if you get a 96 again, you keep going. Okay. So wait. So like you just keep going? What happens when you get like three 96s or above in a row? Uh, so if you're fighting someone who has a defensive bonus of 250, then what you might you might hit, <laughs> right? Why uh, were defensive bonuses that high? Well, they weren't. But I'm trying to think... Um, so, like, if they've got a defensive bonus of, like, 60, and you get, essentially, 300. Mm -hmm. In uh, knowing what I know about Merp, you could probably stop at 210. If you hit 210, that's 210 minus 60 is 150, and 150 is about as high as most of the charts go. It just so happens that these critical fail charts, or critical, these moving charts, uh, go up to 176. Mm-hmm. Okay, so because this is a routine uh, action, it gives you plus 30, in order to fail uh, pretty awfully, um, like to where you really hurt yourself, you have to roll amazingly awfully, right? So, uh, and, and I'll, I'll talk about what these numbers mean, right? Mm -hmm. um, but uh, for the, the difficulty levels are routine, easy, light, medium, hard, very hard, extremely hard, sheer folly, and absurd. Sheer folly is an amazing right? title. <laughs> we need to play this game. And so the um, the difficulty ranges from plus 30 to minus 70 for absurd attempts. Okay. Uh, and so the categories, um, the way that we might classify the results of your action are from um, absolute success to success to near success to partial success to failure to absolute failure to blunder. And I'm just going to read through what happens on a blunder. And I'll let you know that a blunder is when you roll a modified negative 26 or worse. So the, Which is impossible for some of those, right? Because you would have to add 30 to it. Uh, so remember, there are open-ended rolls. And there are open-ended negative rolls, too. Oh, so, okay. Uh, if you roll a 1 and then you roll a negative 6, you're at minus negative 5. Neg negative 95, sorry. And you keep going. Wow. Right? So it's possible. It's just you have to roll in the 1 to 5 and then roll high again in order to get past that with a plus 30 modifier. So it's not one in uh, 20 actions are going to result in one of these blunders. Um, and so here are the blunders. So if you're doing a general maneuver, you fail spectacularly. Mm -hmm. 
Mm -hmm. um, if possible, your static action has the opposite effect of what you intended, which is essentially like if you're trying to hit someone else, you hit yourself, right? So, but this is not a combat maneuver; it's a static maneuver. Um, so maybe if that's if you're trying to jump onto a horse, the horse jumps onto you. <laughs> In Russia. No. <laughs> Uh, no, but I, I take it that would mean something like if you're trying to jump onto a horse, maybe you jump under the horse, which is Yikes. That's bad, right? Yeah. Um, so for interactions and influence, blunder, your blatant attempt at coercion alienates your audience. They are influenced to do the opposite of what you are attempting to get them to do. Until a change in circumstances occurs, any influence attempts by you will fail. Disarming traps and picking locks. The blunder is if picking a lock, your lock pick is broken and stuck in the lock, rendering it unopenable until removed. This requires another roll to pick the lock by someone other than you. Any traps are set off. Ooh. Okay, so um, I take it that this makes good sense, right? Yeah. Um, so we have a good sense of what... Those are the worst kind of blunders that could happen. And I'll just give you the uh, perception one because we have a story about perception coming mm -hmm. up. Um, so for the blunder there is you not only fail to get it any valid information, but you pick up invalid information due to a misconception or improperly sensed details. You may never try again on the same topic in the same area. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's essentially MERP. So what we see in D&D versus MERP is D&D um, &D makes, goes for the simplicity. One of 20 roles is going to be a failure, but it sacrifices this kind of realism piece that MERP has, which is if actions are really easy, you're not going to fail once in 20. Um, and if actions are very difficult, you're not going to fail, and I mean fail horrifically, once in 20. You're going to fail a lot, mm -hmm. um, and sometimes amazingly badly. Uh, and so that's, you know, that's always, I think, that distinction between D&D &D and Merp. We'll see um, simplicity in D&D, &D, but realism uh, in Merp. And I was thinking that another way of thinking about types of um, failure are if we look at uh, high stakes versus low stakes failure. And so I was thinking of a game like Super Mario Brothers, uh, where um, a low stakes fail just means like, if you fail at it, um, it's not particularly uh, harmful to you. So mm -hmm. if you're just trying to jump on one of those um, turtley guys, mm -hmm. the Goombas um, or whatever they're called. I think no, those are called not... uh, the Goombas are the Koopa Troopler, Koopa, Koopa. Koopas. Koopa. So you try to jump on one of them, and if you miss and you notice it fast enough, then you just like land to the side and no harm done, right? Mm -hmm. So you're not injured or anything. Um, and so you could try it 50 times, and if you miss every time, then you just miss 50 times. And so your time ticks down, uh, but it doesn't do anything catastrophically awful to you. Um, and where a high stakes fail might be, if you're trying to set a, a time record uh, for the game, and this means that you have to warp to level three, to level seven, or whatever, um, and you miss a particular jump because you can't go backwards in Super Mario. You might have just missed your chance to do that thing. So in that sense, it was a high stakes failure. And we can see that high stakes and low stakes, they don't necessarily add up or match up with um, high level of difficulty, uh, low level of difficulty. Mm -hmm. So maybe if we think of a high difficulty, uh, low stakes, it would just be if you had maybe a, a spell book um, that has no traps on it, and you're just, and it's a very difficult um, trap to, to a lock to pick. Sorry, it's a lock, uh, and you're trying to pick this lock, and so you just like every day you try to pick a lock, and if you fail, no big deal. I mean, you just mm -hmm. you don't get the spells, but you don't die from it. Yeah. Um, and then the opposite would be what a. Uh, so like, if your friend is in a, a dungeon or whatever, and something's coming to kill them, and you just have to pick a simple lock, mm -hmm. but you don't get a second chance, basically, if you fail. Yeah. So uh, low difficulty, but super high stakes. Mm -hmm. um, and all the James Bond traps are 
uh, if they were easy, they would be high stakes. So if you fail to get out, you get sliced in half or whatever. Mm -hmm. And Zoe is really agreeing. Yeah. Vehemently. Somebody sneezed. (laughs) I think Vegemite sneezed. (laughs) Um, And finally, I was thinking about another quick reference to a video game uh, in Wasteland, um, the video game that becomes Fallout. Fallout. Um, There was this interesting thing that would happen. So if you had a a gun that had um, a, a clip, say, that had 40 bullets in it, this would happen... Maybe you have a submachine gun, and uh, you try to fire it in round one, and you botch. And if you botch, then your gun is jammed. And in the second round, so first round, you don't get to fire. Second round, you have to unjam. Third round, you have to reload. Fourth round, you get to shoot. Uh, so it was a way that even in a very fairly simple game like Wasteland, um, you can see how important botches are, like these critical failures. Like yeah. The fact that, you, um, that your gun jammed isn't just... Uh, you don't get to shoot. It's You don't get to shoot for three rounds, and if you're standing there getting attacked for three rounds, that's bad news. Yeah. Fortunately, you could just beat them to death with your gun if you had a high level of brawling. Did so. you, really? Oh, yeah. Like punching bears? Uh-huh. I oh, like, yeah, you could totally do that in that game. I like it. Yeah. Um, and so I've done a lot of talking, and now I thought it would be a good idea um, if we uh, switch it up. So I'll pass the baton, and Victoria's going to tell you a story. So um, this is not a story in which um, I do something ridiculous to Scott. This is a story in which... You do something ridiculous to me. Yeah, totally basically. different. Totally different. <laughs> totally different. Um, I don't remember this vendor. I don't remember why we were at this store or anything. All I remember from the story is the failure, which I think is pretty cool. Like sometimes failures lead to the best stories, I think. Um, so we were at some sort of what? It's a good story. Yeah, it yeah. is. I think so. <laughs> um, we were at this uh, like general... Um, maybe even a weapons dealer. He might have specifically been a weapons dealer, but he definitely was selling weapons. Because I asked Father if there was anything around that looked interesting. Any sort of... I think I was looking specifically for a longsword because I had a sword sword and I had just taken dual wield, which meant I could use two types of swords, two different types of swords. Um, And for some reason, Dad made me roll a perception roll. And I was like, that's what all I, I'm just looking around. Like, I don't, I don't know, like, if he's not displaying his best wares or something. Um, so I don't know what the, what would have 20 have even been? Well, but, maybe it would have been just seeing very clearly uh, what the best item was there. Something. Yeah, something like that. Uh, but clearly, since this title is F is for failure, I'm sure you can guess that I did not get a 20 and instead rolled a 1. Um... And so all I was told about this item that I found with this low perception roll was that it was called the boomstick and that you hold it in front of yourself and you say boom and it was some sort of weapon. Um, And when I, when characters fail while dad's DMing, it's not just like you don't get to do what you were looking to do. You have to take some sort of penalty for rolling a critical fail. So I was compelled to buy this. My character thought this was the best weapon ever, and I had to get it. Like, I had to spend the money on it. And I I think it wasn't even that expensive. It was a few gold, um, which we were level three, so we had, like, a little bit to spare. Um, So I got it, and I was a little upset about it. Like, I was like, oh, that was dumb. I had to waste a little bit of money, and I didn't get my sword. Um, But so a few sessions later, we were facing a wyvern. And some of you might remember the story because it was, um, we had some other characters in the party who really wanted to face a dragon. 
Uh, and so dad graciously gave us a wyvern to face instead because we would have died if we had faced the dragon. Um, and it was not going great. Like we had to go. So the first wyvern we had fought, it, it was sort of not on its home turf. But this one we had gone to its lair. So a lot of people were kind of down and already. So I was going through my inventory and lo and behold, I had the boomstick. So I ended up trying to use the boomstick. I held it out in front of me, said the magic word boom, and it turned out it explodes in both directions. So holding it in front of yourself shoots it back at you too. Um, and dad made me make a dexterity check, which I thankfully succeeded at because I think it ended up doing like 50 some points of damage. And I was only like 40 or something. I only had like 40 hit points. So it would have killed me. But I ended up doing 50 hit points to the dragon, wyvern, whatever. <laughs> um, which was a, a really cool story. And it wouldn't have happened if I hadn't made that critical fail on a perception check, which I thought was dumb at the time. So, yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, this is a good time for me to just quickly interject this idea about um, uh, perception rolls. And, and there are good reasons to do perception rolls in one of these two different ways. Uh, one of the ways is where the player rolls them in public and everybody sees them. Um, and the other one is where you as the DM uh, roll uh, on your own um, behind that screen that we were talking about earlier. And only you as the DM see what they actually rolled. Um, and then you pass on the information, like here's what you get, and they don't know if they failed or succeeded. Mm -hmm. And you're talking about rolling not just for your NPCs, but for player characters too, mm -hmm. like rolling for the player characters yeah. so they don't, because it is really hard to not metagame a bit and like know that you got a low perception so you don't trust what your character gets, you know? Mm -hmm. um, that definitely happens a lot in our party. Right, so someone might say, I'm going to listen, and they roll poorly, and they're like, oh, someone else listened. Which, uh, perhaps that's what you do in the real world, but you also kind of trust your ears when you do the, uh, the I listening. think especially the, the like, I listen, I roll, and then somebody else listens because you rolled poorly, mm -hmm. and you know that they got a good number, but, mm -hmm. you know, you, like, especially when somebody does it in response to what you're exactly. doing, yeah. um, and then you trust them. Like, you, you know, you, you wouldn't trust other people just because you think you didn't hear what there was to hear. Right. And I, I think that um, there is, uh, so the way that we started doing it in my system, in our system, so the, it, the roll was a base d20, and then there are modifiers, plus three to minus three. And each plus or minus is a die six that is added to or subtracted from the roll. So a plus three roll is one d20 plus three die six, and a minus three roll is one d20 minus three die six. And I've started um, having people rolling their d20, but then I'll, I will roll the modifier where they can't see it for things that they shouldn't know, whether they failed or succeeded. Um, and so on a, a listening check, uh, if you roll an 11 and then I roll some dice, you have no idea if I'm rolling all three dice that count or none of the dice count, or they're adding or they're subtracting or what. And I think that more accurately reflects uh, how you might be in the yeah. real world. I thought that was interesting because we've, we've play tested now like three or four games. Um, and the first few games, like we were just doing it ourselves. And then this last game, uh, he hadn't even told us about this yet. Just someone else rolled and they got a 10. And I was like, oh, that's a success. Like, that's cool. Um, and dad was like, er, nah, that wasn't a success. So I thought <laughs> that, that was pretty cool. Like, we didn't know how well we were doing, basically. I don't even think you told us some of them, like, that were failures. You just gave us the, the reaction. Right. And we didn't know if that was the failure or the success, which right. is pretty cool. 
Yeah, and it, especially in the game where there was a lot of investigation going on, um, it was actually useful. So you, you wouldn't know if you had gotten all the clues or anything like that. Uh, you might be super confident that you got all the clues that were to be had when you didn't get anything. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I thought it was a, a good time to do it. Um, and uh, maybe it's worth mentioning, I think that this is a good general practice. It's something I'm going to try to do more. And I think uh, even for your first attack in combat when you're fighting a new enemy, uh, maybe I won't let you know what their um, defensive modifier is for that first attack. And then after you attack them, I'll let you, I'll, I'll just tell you what the modifiers are and you can go from there. But it adds that level of mystery uh, without making it too clunky. It's just you roll the d20 and I'll roll the sixes and we'll go from there. Mm -hmm. Okay, um, so that was the story. Um, and I, we could move into the pitch. And um, the pitch, um, it's not a change up this time. Um, it's is it a fastball? <laughs> It's not. Um, this is probably the most straightforward, quickest pitch that we've had. So, yes, it is a fastball. Um, so because in our... Can't see my face. <laughs> Can't. They... Mm. All right. Anyway. So because it, it's a 1d20 and because a 10 is the first, like the minimal success, I thought that it would be very easy for us to think about what a failure is then, um, at least for the 0 to 9. A 0 to 9 is... Take that number, multiply it by 10, and that's the percentage of the thing that you accomplished. So a 9 means you 90% hit the guy, which means you missed, but you got pretty darn close. Um, 80%, uh, 8, 80%, uh, right? Yeah. Um, 0 means effectively you made absolutely no progress toward that goal that you were trying to do. Mm -hmm. So if it was, um, I draw my sword and attack, no, you, you fail. Like the, the sword is still in your scabbard, um, and you've got to try again. Something like that. Yeah. Um, that so that's for an attack. Um, if we're thinking about some of those types of maneuver that we were looking at earlier, um, like um, general maneuvers or moving maneuvers. So maybe you're trying to um, jump across a cliff, like a, a pit, um, and say it's a ten foot pit, just because that's easy. And you roll a nine modified. Uh -huh. You make it nine feet. Yeah. <laughs> and fortunately, that's probably long enough that you can reach out and try to grab a hole. So give me a dexterity check, and if you succeed, then you're now you are on the other side holding on. Mm -hmm. If you roll a Oh, a one, a three? That's different. Now you're three feet across, across a hole. And, and probably plunging. I mean, so if you do a zero or a one, yeah. you make it zero feet, but yeah. that might be safer than a five. It might be. And yeah. that's something for us to think about, yeah. right? So um do we want to uh do we want to have a system in which that happens? Um, now, we haven't talked about um, negative roles. Negative roles are possible. Mm -hmm. um, and my general approach to negative roles is going to be um, the same as those positive roles. So negative roles uh, that fall into the critical range will be like positive criticals. Um, so if you're in like the 10 to 19 range, that's like a level 1 critical. Negative 20 to 29, that would be like a level 2 critical. By the way, it's almost impossible to roll those numbers given mm -hmm. how the system runs. Yeah. In the same way that you're probably never going to roll a 40 in the game, you're probably never going to roll a negative 20. Um, these are just horrifically awful things um, that would have to happen yeah. in order for those things it to occur. It has to be a lot of situational things happening yeah. to you. Yeah. Um, so do you yeah. have like a, an easy mnemonic like that, like the percentage for, so if you get a negative 19, you do negative 190% of the thing you wanted to accomplish? Like you set yourself back 190% or something? That's interesting. So I, I hadn't really thought of what exactly that might mean. Um, it could just manifest in, in a penalty. So um, think about the lockpicking example we saw earlier where in the Merp book, mm -hmm. um, it, with one of the critical fails, like you break your lockpick off in there. Someone broke a lockpick off in a lock in our last session. If oh, you yeah, remember. that's right. Yeah, right? Um, Landalo. Yeah, and someone else had to pick it. 
Do you want to introduce, by the way, because we've mentioned their their character names now a couple times, so we don't have to introduce the players, but right. we've so we we have been playtesting, and just to let you know, we've got a new party. Uh, we've got Landolo the Smuggler, Elven Smuggler. Yeah. He is an Elven Smuggler. Um, we've got uh, my character Gislan, who is a Mage Bane, and we might talk about that later when we start talking about magic and stuff. I think that we'll talk about your character and goals a little bit um, in episode G, so the yeah. next, next episode. Okay, so yeah, so we'll talk a little bit more about Gislam then. Um, we've got Marcus, Marcus, Marcus uh, who is a horse breeder soldier. Um, <laughs> we've got Dahlia, our um, apothecary, and... Jeremy has only played one game, I think. Yeah, and he's the one I can't remember because he's uh, Mercutio. Is something like a... Is it Mercutio? I thought no. we only had Marcus. Yeah. We try not to do alliteration with our character names this time. So typically I do know the characters, but because he has only played this one time, it's been a while since he was, he's been able to make it, so I don't remember. But he's a jeweler, and he's an inter he's like a beefcake jeweler guy. <laughs> oh, that's right! Yeah. <laughs> I've forgotten about the beefcakiness. <laughs> And, yeah. and then we had a new player last time so this is like the first like this is the first stranger to me who has yeah. played my game and uh -huh. so um, I hope it went well and he was uh, Kylo Ren Kylo, Kylo Solo. Solo. Kylo Solo Kylo Solo totally different Kylo Solo uh -huh. um, yeah yeah uh, basically Kylo he so. was legit just Kylo <laughs> Kylo Ren but I think that was his first time playing an RPG period yes. and he started with your game when yeah. it was pretty cool that he he got really into character. He did. Yeah, yeah. That was really nice. And he dealt some brutal criticals. That's yeah, true. He, he, he did a lot for the game. <laughs> yeah. Surprise. Yeah. 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 Um, it was some good role playing too. He uh, distracted someone for a long time while the party went and did something else, and uh, he role played that that pretty well. I thought. So, uh huh. Uh, that was a that was a cool time. That was yeah. really fun. Yeah. Um, okay, so uh, in the last session, uh, Landolo was trying to pick a lock and. Brock, uh, broke the lockpick off in the lock, and then I think uh, Marcus had to come along and fix it. Uh, and so, what might happen with something like a uh, like a negative nineteen might just mean that now that is the modifier, right? So you're so if someone wants to pick that lock, they have to do it at a minus nineteen modifier. Oh, right, that's harsh. Uh, yeah, I, I think it makes sense. It uh, does. So, yeah. I, that's interesting. Or maybe like. Negative half, or at so least like 10. yeah, yeah. So like yeah. a nine or ten, yeah. Negative ten, yeah. That'd be so cool. Something like that. That'd be interesting. Um, the the critical failures are still something that I want to tweak a little bit as we go. Uh, we've had very few critical failures. Um, we've had failures for mm -hmm. sure, uh, but not a lot of critical failures. Yeah, Most, I think yeah. all of us are pretty like we're sticking to what we know because mm -hmm. we're not. It is pretty strange to like know that you can attempt to do anything because mm -hmm. especially in D&D &D, it's like really you, you get a set list of things that you can do sure. um, and you've got some sort of modifier so you know what you're good at and what you're bad at. And so this open-ended system, it, it kind of, we, we're not accustomed to it yet. So sometimes it feels a little, um, what's the word I'm looking for, enclosing? Whatever, because it, it feels like limiting. We, yeah, limiting. Mm -hmm. It feels a little limiting because it it feels like we've only got three things we can do, and sometimes in the middle of it, I'll remember like, oh, I can attempt to do anything. Sure. It just might be a negative modifier. Yeah. So I think we haven't gotten into the negative modifiers a lot yet because we're only sticking to the things that are on our character sheets. I, I think there's yeah. something to that, right? And mm -hmm. and even um when people picked up that magic staff and started using it, I uh -huh. mean, not not much was at stake. It wasn't going to kill people. Uh, so people were trying to people. 
um, were trying to invoke the power in this staff, whether it was there or not. Mm -hmm. I think the, most of the party still doesn't know if there was any power in it. I think most of the party is certain that it was fate. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it wasn't. It wasn't. Yeah. So, uh, and so that's something that, that has played out uh, by those two things, right? So um, individual roles that not everybody knows about uh, what's going on. And also this idea that um, you can attempt these things. Um, and sometimes um, difficult things are low stakes fails. So, you know, Nobody was harmed by using that, except they looked ridiculous. And they were basically saying the, uh, the He-Man by the power of Grayskull thing, but with different, slightly different wording. Mm -hmm. um, so aside from that, and people actually played it, which was nice. It was. Um, aside from that, there was no harm. And somebody, somebody wanted someone else to do it and tried to seduce mm -hmm. that character into doing it and did like a ridiculous critical success. And... That was pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to say. Making someone, like seducing someone into doing something is a pretty pretty great role-playing experience. Yeah. Um, so that is the, the pitch. And, and I don't know. I, normally we would end with hack and slash. Uh-huh. Um, so, uh, but we did talk about some problems. If there's anything yeah, else we... that you want to add to it um, or concerns, I, I'll just confess up front that I do need to kind of worry about the the critical failures as opposed to just the normal failures yeah the critical failures mm -hmm. i think that yeah we we did sort of discuss it and hash it out in the moment so while you're, you're thinking i'll just so to re remind there's there are these um things that players want i think um from games and it's on, on one hand to have some assurances of like well some good sense of well what's going to happen if i fail um and the system gives you that for the zero to nine fails right so i mean if, if you try this um, and you roll a one or something like that, you know that you accomplished roughly 10% of your, your goal, which is in combat, it means like your weapon is essentially undrawn or just barely out. Um, or if you have an arrow ready, like your arrow went almost nowhere, right? Mm -hmm. um, so so that you get the expectation, but all, maybe it also gives good guidelines for coming up with those cinematic explanations of what's going on in my failure so what is what does my three mean and some goal some games will just oh, that's just a failure you yeah fail. what did you want but we could say like your, your sword is nowhere like the like the sword whips past it's like, like at a distance just the tip out of the scabbard <laughs> uh, <laughs> you fumble it, it yeah. yeah yeah something like that yeah um, not that you drop your sword onto the ground but yeah you yeah. You, you it try gets to pull caught it or yeah. something it doesn't go at all but it's out now. You can just yeah. try again. Yeah. That's Sounds cool. Right. I'm into that. Yeah. So did you think of what the concern was you were thinking of? Yeah. No. So I think we, we discussed, my main concern was what are the negatives? If your system is percentage of completion, mm -hmm. what would a negative percentage be? And yeah. I think we, I think the, um, that adds to the difficulty to the, the modifier that you have to hit when you mm -hmm. attempt again. Yeah. Um, so in that situation, would there be anything that you can't attempt again? Because, I mean, situationally, like thematically, like you can't just con like keep pestering a person who you fail a, a persuasion right. attempt. I mean, you can. In real life, you can keep t uh, doing that and mm -hmm. just doing that and yeah. until they take some action against you. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I've never... I mean, I, I don't like to say the never thing in, in a game, right? So um, what I might think, of, I think that if your skill improves mm -hmm. um, or if the situation improves in some way, so what if you roll a negative 20 reaction? Like that, I mean, on one hand, that could create an enemy for life. Mm -hmm. But what if seven years down the road, you have 
solved all the problems in that person's kingdom and you have, yeah. you know, rescued their children and, and all this stuff. I mean, maybe that's a case where um, you get to roll again. Yeah. Yeah, I think the, the I'm not sure, but I, I think the rule that, like, if you fail, you can't just keep trying. Um, I think that mostly comes from, like, nobody wants to sit there and, and listen to someone just keep trying to persuade someone. I seduce. I seduce. I, I seduce. seduce. I, yeah, we yeah, get it. We get it. <laughs> right. You failed. So I like, I really like the adding to the difficulty with a mm-hmm. negative based on what your negative role was because it would get more and more difficult. Like they're not just going to keep having right. the same level of receptiveness each yeah. time you fail. Like you're going to get more and more annoyed, specifically with persuasion and stuff mm-hmm. where you have something responsive. But what about something like, like a, a lockpick? Um, so I, I guess the, the more negative it gets, the more likely it is that you damage or mm-hmm. you, you lose your tools mm-hmm. or something like that, um, which could lead to a situation where you, you thematically just can't try again because you right. don't have the things you need to keep trying. Right. Yeah. And I'm, uh, now I'm thinking of like a, on a perception role, like mm-hmm. a critical failure on a perception role. I, I do think that there's good reason. Like if you, when you fail on a perception role or if you succeed on a perception role, that's it. I mean, the idea is that you you attempted to perceive and you got all the information that you're going to perceive. So unless you um, move around and do something different or get a new light on the source or yeah. whatever, there's not a, another attempt. I mean, there are situations in real life where I'm sure something's up. So even if I don't see something on the first look, I will keep looking. Mm-hmm. Like I'm like, like if I hear a noise, like just one noise and I like look around and I don't see what caused it. I'm not just going to be like, oh, well, fuck, I didn't, I didn't see anything. Right. At least, you know, not all the time. Um, so mm-hmm. there are times where I would continue to try to perceive in real life. Sure. So I don't know. That might be something to consider as far as failed perception rules. So what a critical fail. So on, on one hand, um, if that thing moved, then if it moves again, a perception rule would make good sense because something about the situation has changed. But what a critical failure would represent is your utter conviction that you were wrong about that first perception. Does that make sense? So you thought you saw something, but then you listen and you're like, no, I actually, I didn't see something, mm-hmm. right? And my ev- what's your evidence? You use this other sense that you now have such confidence in. Uh, so something like that. Okay. Yeah. That does it's make gotta sense. It's got to be handled well. Um, you know what? What? That is um, essentially the end of the episode, right? Yeah. So in this episode, we've talked about um, F for failure. And um, we started off with a, a quick survey. Well, I gave you that amazing uh, adventure hook. Yeah, um, and that's then... <laughs> pretty great. Pretty great intro. And then we, um, well, we talked through some things that people want, uh, tend to want in, in a system of failure. And then we talk through D&D, um, especially second edition, as usual, uh, Middle Earth role-playing. We talked about Super Mario Brothers. We talked about Wasteland. We talked about any other RPGs or anything? Um, Mert, D&D. No, I no. think that you covered it all. Um, and then we, uh, we heard a story about how to, how to handle a, a, a failure, um, uh, both from the player point of view, like the, the conversational point of it, and also from the rolling point of it. And then we talked about the pitch. And uh, did a little bit of hack and slash. Um, so there's, there's some work to be done there, but I'm actually pretty happy with the zero to nine failure. I think that that's a fine rule, and we'll mm-hmm. keep banging away at that um, until we find any problems with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, as far as I'm concerned, I don't have anything else. Yeah, yeah. I think we, we did pretty all right there. Yeah, good. Pretty good episode. Um, and so um, the I guess we'll be back next uh, in two weeks. In two weeks, And we will yeah. have G is for... Goals. 
Goals. Goals, not gold. Yes. Goals. And um, so that should be fun. Yeah. And um, so, uh, as usual, we'll tell you to hit, hit up all those social media sites, but we'll do that in the outro. Mm -hmm. um, for now, um, this has been Travis. This is Victoria. And this has been Dungeon, Dungeon Chatter. Thanks for listening to episode 6. If you want more Dungeon Chatter, please check us out at DungeonChatter.com or follow us on Twitter at, at @DungeonChatter. And if you like our show, it'd be super cool if you left a review on iTunes and told all your friends or in RPG stuff, that sort of thing. We'd appreciate it. Our next episode, G is for goals, that's G-O-A-L-S, not G-O-L-E, will be out in two weeks on Friday, October 19th. So we'll see you then. Thanks again for listening.